Your style is unorthodox. But effective. It is not the art, but the combat that you enjoy. Man, you come right out of a comic book. You are now listening to Black Comics Chat. Black, black, black Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Hi, this is Anthony Rutgazer. I'm the writer of The First Hero and Heroes of Homeroom C, and you are listening to Black Comics Chat. Hi, this is Regine Al Sawyer, owner, writer, creator of Lock It Down Productions, and the coordinator and founder of the Women in Comics Collective International. You are now listening to Black Comics Chat. What's cracking, people? Um, this is Marcus Kwame, and we're very, very happy to be back for a traditional Black Comics Chat. You know, we've been uh, having so many of our various new and exciting iterations. Uh, it's, it's it's nice to be back to the Black Comic Chat proper, you know. So, um, and we have no better guests to return to that format than our current guest. But as always, I'm going to start off with the Black Comic Chat crew. Um, first up, we've got the undercover Sith Lord, the go. reigning uh prime minister of the blue czech republic uh-huh. recently unseated Stark. recently unseated recently reseated. Yeah. well there was an attempted coup yeah it was yeah. an attempted coup you know what i mean but uh but my man found his way back uh you know or did you oh are, are you back on your phone no more you have, you have no more strings okay okay good 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 <laughs> so all the way from the blue czech republic we got tony snark in the house What's up? What's up? You know, I thought you were gonna attempt to do to do Yorito's Padrino. Oh, you mean Yorito's uh, Padrino? <laughs> oh, that's his best He's, one. That's so much better. That's his best that's so one yet. Better. That's his best one. <laughs> there you go. You know what? You're showing off a joke, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> practicing. Hey, man, we're we're all out there in the Caribbean. You know, we all have uh, Caribbean issues. So yeah. Oh uh, yes. Yeah. Um, for those that didn't know, I was uh, a part of the uh, the blue check scrub from Twitter. Uh, so that was funny. I ended up um, creating a new account and then just pretty much tweeting out the words from Age of Ultron. I mean, Ultron. So that was that was entertaining. But yep, that was me. I'm good. Now, wait a second. Is, is the blue check scrub, is that like canon? Is that like the blip in Marvel? <laughs> I don't think so. It should. Okay. Right, it's like the it's like the gas leak episodes in Community. Yeah, mm-hmm. the gas leak season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, and uh, that second voice you heard is none other than uh, one of the stars from the upcoming uh, Latinx sci-fi anthology Manana, which we'll be talking about all of, all about tonight. It's uh, Leo. Yo, what's going on, people? Uh, yeah, I'm chilling. I'm hanging in LA. I mean, yeah, this is like it's weird. Like our our quote unquote regular black comics chat episodes uh have like fallen off schedule but now we're coming back big we're coming back big, big. yes yes big time indeed indeed Absolutely. Yeah. and uh no better way to do it than to return one of our favorite people uh to the show uh to speak all about the goings-on at uh power and magic press and the upcoming anthology that i just mentioned 
Um, also, I'm gonna shout out the fact uh, right up front that she's also a letterer for hire. So, you know, you need your your, your books lettered. Definitely have her. Um, we got Joe and McGill in the house. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm really happy to be back on the chat, uh, especially because it's our first time really gathering since uh, since the season finale of Earth premiered in March. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Wow. Yeah. That was a stunning, very, stunning. Very regularly, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But is it? But wait, hold on. So usually, lately with season finales, I feel like it's always the next to last episode that's like all the shit goes down. Right. <laughs> right? And then like the last episode is kind of like, eh, you know, setting up the next one. Um, yeah. Yeah, so which episode are we on right now? Uh, well, I feel like there. I feel like the second to last episode is going to be the results of the election. Dude. Oh, God. Oh, dear God. Dear God, it's gonna be terrible. That's right. That's right. I don't even know. Um, yes. Okay. Starting on a high note. Uh, so yeah. First up, um, you know, as always, Joe, you know the format, but I'm we're gonna switch the origin story question up a little bit because you know I think our listeners are pretty familiar with the origin story. Um, and you know we can pepper pieces of it throughout for anyone who hasn't heard, but um. The, today's question, I just want to ask you an origin story question in regards to any fun little story of an early, young, creative Joe Amet. So it could be anything. It could mm. be like mm. like something you, you, you created as a kid, like the, the moment when you realize, like, I can make things like, yeah, like what's what's an early creative moment? I love this. Marcus is going way off book. I don't know what he's doing. He's he's this is uncharted waters. I love it. That I love it. Not in the dark. No, it wasn't. I love it. I love it. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate a curveball. Keeping it. Marcus is is keeping our relationship fresh after. Yeah, all yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, I guess I would tell the magnificently cool story of uh, role-playing on Neopets <laughs> when I was in middle school. Uh, for anyone out there who's, uh, I don't know, 12 and loves Black Comics Jen and doesn't know what Neopets is, uh, Neopets.com was and is a website where you can go right now and make an account and you get to create and take care of virtual pets and you play a sort of flash style of video games to earn coins so that you can buy junk for your pet. And this online community also had a forum section and the forum sections of Neopet is, or Neopets is where I first sort of started falling in love with writing. And I fell in love with writing and telling stories on like a like I actually started to like hone my craft and like be uh, sort of put my money where my mouth was with this idea of like, okay, I want to grow up and I want to tell cool stories. Um, started there and it started with medieval fantasy play by post role plays where we were all shapeshifters who turned into lions and lived in a clan in the woods and <laughs> fought off our enemies and <laughs> fell in love. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I, I've been thinking a lot about those days uh, recently because before, before the pandemic, 
uh, started, I started to get back into uh, play by post, uh, different setting, no longer Neopets, we've outgrown that. Uh, and I happened to be reading, sort of rereading a post I wrote for someone and then going back and looking at old forum posts on the internet and reminiscing about the old days and realizing, wow, I couldn't write worth a shit. <laughs> 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 and it, it's sort of, it's a great experience. It, it's, uh, it's really nice to sort of have records of the stuff that you created when you were young, when it all felt good and it all felt fun and, it, and you just didn't care like what any standards of quality were. And the most important part of it was just like keeping that love and that passion to keep going because that's the part that gets you to the point where you can write and create well enough that you look back and say, oh no, that's such garbage. <laughs> Yo, wow. that is that's levels deep. That's yeah, levels yeah. deep. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Huh. yeah, it makes me think I have a, I had one really, uh, derivative uh, early comic book that I did in high school. And uh, I, I, I've seen it in the last year or so, and I just came across it. And it, uh, the story was very derivative. But one thing I noticed when I was looking at it is like artistically, like I really just went for it. And in a way where like now as a you know, professional, like I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get my research, I'll, you know, do all my, my perspective grids and all that. And um, I feel like there was a certain freedom to how I was doing that. So again, a mm -hmm. lot, of, lot, lot of derivative, maybe hacky uh, stuff. Uh, I had one character that was ripped off of Wolverine and I didn't even realize it. It wasn't even like <laughs> I knowingly ripped it off. It just, but then like years later, looking back, I'm like, oh my God, that's Wolverine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, but it's just, it's just interesting like looking back at your past creative self. Yeah, Leo and, Leo and Tony, you guys, you well, guys like, got one. <clears throat> what what Joe was saying like made me immediately think about how like there was so I was obsessed with fantasy fantasy fiction when I was a kid, um, and I was reading. I, I, have, have we talked about Piers Anthony on the show yet? Does anybody know who Piers Anthony is? I know uh, of him. He's like he's like a really like serious serious pervert of sci-fi and fantasy. Like, <laughs> he just write, he, but like but his books his books are like they, they're not super sexually explicit. They're like the equivalent of like TNA movies but as fantasy books. Like the all their shirt came off and there's boobs all the time. like there's just lots of boobs and like all this. Very randy, very randy old man. Um but I, he wrote what, a series What's his name again? Piers Anthony. He wrote a series he wrote a series called Xanth which is which got really big. There's even a computer game that was made of it. And then he wrote uh, Incarnations of Immortality and some other stuff. Anyway, I love Piers Anthony, and I was obsessed with fantasy writing. And my favorite book of all time is The Last Unicorn by Peter S. Beagle, and always will be. Um, so I wrote like quite a bit of fantasy fiction when I was like between 10 and 12. And that was all on my original IBM PS2. Not a PlayStation 2, an IBM PS2. I forgot what the PS stand for, but it was a personal computer that I had. And... I lost all of it when my house burned down when I was a kid. Uh, oh no! So I don't actually. I but the thing is that trust me, I remember how bad it was, even though I don't actually have it. So when Joe was talking, when you were talking about the those like those relics of growth, which I do totally agree with, are really valuable. Like for me, they're sort of ethereal, 
because I look at those as that, but I don't actually have them. But I am I assure you that they're as bad as could be. Um, but uh, but like th that is that is something. I do have like old composition notebooks full of poems that are that are I'm sure embarrassing um, back in the Bronx. Uh, so I do have those. But relics of growth is is super vital and. And I think like one of the things you're kind of expressing and tell me if I'm, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but is that like these, it's like, it's like leaving those pieces, like creating those pieces so that the growth can be uh, sort of like understood or mediated is like super valuable. And it's, and, and you still have those, you, you have those to look back on. Am I, am I, is that, is that what you were pretty much expressing? Am I wrong on that? My way no, no, you're, is my no, mic yeah, working? You're you're, you're like, <laughs> I was letting you finish talking. <laughs> That's a thing I do. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you're you're exactly right on. Uh, like, I, I'm pretty sure to this day I've still never thrown away a sketchbook. I have all of them. Like, mm. uh, there are a few of them that are still living in my mom's house. And every few years she's like, can I throw these out yet? And I'm like, no, <laughs> never throw them away. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I have most of them with me. And just every now and then I just flip through them. And it's just like, oh, okay, I was into that. And oh, that's how I drew hands? Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's just, uh, it's just it, 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 it both, I guess it keeps you humble in a way and keeps you inspired. Like you remember that you've come so far and you're capable of coming so far, but also like realizing, you know, at some point I'm gonna look back at what I'm doing now and I might feel similarly. Mm. So that, you know, that, so always, you know, be able to, other people's opinions be able to take critique and be able to just like not be too precious or perfect about mm. what you're working on right now because know that it's it's going to be tomorrow's garbage so just do it just do it and have fun yo i i, I want to just like isolate that audio right there like that's like mm. really really big you know advice and yeah yeah i think everybody should and i always say that like especially the part you're talking about about even your present right now you you will hopefully look back and be like wow i've really grown from that like i think that's the that's the goal creatively you know yeah for sure yeah cool cool um i feel like uh oh wait tony wait, we gotta go tony yeah 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 yes <laughs> tony's like i've been awesome from the start there's no growth there's no growth. Yeah. It's just no growth. No growth. <laughs> we just started writing yesterday. <laughs> so thinking back at it, I think the first story that I ever wrote was a horror story about, um, I think it was probably based off of me turning into a werewolf. And it kind of morphed into this chasing people in my school. I know that's going to sound weird. Like I'm, like I'm trying to kill people in my school, but it wasn't. <laughs> It's just that the way, that's kind of like the way the story morphed. I don't have that story anymore. And I remember sharing it with my friends and, and people liked it. I, I didn't. After a while, I was like, this is crap. Um, but from there, I, then I remember like kind of creating my own comic book universe, um, which I still have like tons of notebooks on that as well. So I can actually see the growth um, in, in, in my writing. And like I said, a lot of it is that this is crap. I, I don't like it. But... I keep it because it's a reminder of where I, of where I, where I was. Yeah. Oh. Did, did you, did you ever, um, do you remember that Grant Morrison did this old book? Oh, I, I feel like an ass. I just brought it up and I can't remember the name of it. He did a book pretty early in his career, a, a comic series that he spent a good chunk of his successful career 
buying all the copies of and destroying. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh my god, I've heard of this before. I got, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually. I, I usually I'm not in the browser on the show, but I'm looking it up because I'm trying to like. It was a, it was an early it was an early sci-fi comic, and literally he would like crawl through eBay anytime people were selling copies of it and buy the copies and destroy them and just kept going and going and going doing that. Um, what the hell? Oh, that's that's great. That's that's great. I know, and I mean, I really really like Grant Morrison, and it's like is this kind of thing where you're like, dude, shit, like you were Grant Morrison, like stop it, like it's fine if there's like an imperfect thing from your past or something. But I don't know. Not I, I kind of agree. As a, as a writer, it's just like, do you, do, uh, if do I could you, take that back. You recognize <laughs> that? You recognize that energy or that like? That I recognize. Initiative? I recognize the energy, but I, I wouldn't do it. You know, because after a while, I think for me, it's like it's out there. I'm just gonna just pretend like either it doesn't exist or whatever. Um, but yeah, I totally get that. I totally get that. I'm trying to find what it is so I can further shame him. <laughs> what the hell was it oh man is it Z well, Zenith maybe no alright I'm sorry I'm sorry go on I, I hate that I brought okay. up a thing that I can't point to the name of I'm sure we'll find it yeah we'll come back we can put it in we'll the show notes alright alright yeah, yeah. alright so uh, Joe you know what um, even though we had our fresh new question I think we should give a, a an introduction of um, Power and Magic Press so you know tell people a little bit about what you do all right for sure so Power and Magic Press is my micro press I run it out of my home in Portland Oregon uh, oh, I can't even say Portland Oregon without freaking out right now uh, <laughs> yeah for real uh, currently but- trending yeah. yeah, currently currently trending, currently uh, under occupation by uh, El Trumpo. Uh, but yeah, uh, so anyway, uh, I'm here doing my thing, which is uh, putting out yearly comics anthologies. Each one has a different theme and uh, highlights a different group of creators that are underrepresented in the industry. We started out with our flagship titles, Power and Magic, the Queer Witch Comics Anthologies, uh, those are all created by queer women of color and uh, woman-aligned non-binary people of color. Uh, after that, we created Heartwood, which is our all non-binary fantasy uh, collection. And now, uh, Manana, Latinx Comics from the 25th century, is our very first foray into science fiction. And it is what it says on the tin. I always try to name the books in such a way that you know exactly what you're buying as Mm. soon as you look at it. Uh, It is a collection of nearly 30 stories by exactly 50 Latinx and Latin American uh, creators uh, from from around the world. And each story is that creative teams uh, sort of imaginings about what a certain part of Latin America will be like in the year or in the 2490s as a decade. And uh, we chose the 2490s because that is a thousand years after uh, Columbus landed in the Caribbean and thus setting off the chain of events that created Latin America in the first place. So it's sort of like a, like a where are they now one millennium later of Latin America. Wow. Okay. So 
It's funny because uh, one of my next questions is, who are the creators involved? But I mean, you've got like 50 people still. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, if, I, only, if only we knew someone. If only <laughs> there was yes. uh, someone we could highlight on this podcast. Hmm. <laughs> just, like, I feel like I buried the lead on that. Yeah. <laughs> or I gave the lead before. I'm not, I'm, yeah, I, I, I don't follow. Uh, how, how about this? Leo, why don't you tell the good people a little bit about your story, Summon Us, with Richard Sella? Richard Sella did the art for a story that, I, you know, it, it, again, related to the original answer to your, your wild card question from Marcus, um, that I, I, like, I reread after not having read it in a couple months, and I was like, this is good. Which I don't, I don't frequently do with like, <laughs> like I read, like I, I really had some time from it and I read it through and I'm like, I, I accept and admit to myself that this is good, which I hope doesn't sound egotistical. It's not meant to. I usually don't feel that way about like, anything, no, I'm, I'm glad virtually anything I write. No, I like it. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I, I wrote a story, uh, for the anthology called Samaras and it's about, uh, a kind of, uh, a future where there's, uh, uh, you know, uh, sociopathic, uh, despotic, uh, dictator-like uh, person in charge of America at some point in the far future. Um, stay with me on it. Just, just work. Stay with me on this. Um, <laughs> and uh, and and one of the things that, uh, like, one of the, the the initiatives that he engages and which wields the sort of hatred of the public is this thing called the Sama the Samaras Project, which uh, basically says, okay, if you're if you are not born in the country, in the United States of America, uh, you have an option. You can either be rounded up into sort of like ghettoized sections of the country, uh, specifically set up for you, or you can fly off into the stars. You can essentially become a spacefarer and go find somewhere else to be, just not here. Uh, and so the story is about uh, one such person who, who is in a state where it's uncommon for a Samara, uh, Basically, he is uh, he's alone. He doesn't. He's not leaving with a family to go explore something. He's uh, he's ace, and he's kind of a loner, and he's, he he has he has like some sort of issues. But he's inspired and and intrigued by the great yonder, and so he flies off. I don't want to give give away where the story goes, but that's sort of like the the essential basis of it. Um, but he does he does find somewhere to be, and and then things awesome. happen. Yeah, and the art is like awesome. really. Sella is awesome. That when it, when 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 uh, Joe first like sent out like stuff and and I first started like you know just like talking with him I was like oh my god like Joe found the best people she found awesome people um, and I'm very 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 excited to to see it in print yeah this is the first anthology we've put out where I didn't put the entire list of people out at the same time part of that was sort of like like some of the bumpiness that uh, ended up occurring with our new uh, creator selection process. Normally we choose people who both write and draw their own story by themselves, mm -hmm. uh, allowing for a team here and there. Um, but for this book, we are, yeah, I very explicitly uh, put out different forms for writers and artists so that anyone who didn't necessarily have a bunch of artist friends that like they knew would want to help them out, but still had like a story in mind that they wanted to tell, uh, wouldn't feel like they couldn't apply. Or like 
artists who really wanted to be involved but didn't really think they had a story to tell also wouldn't feel like they couldn't be involved. Um, the reason I did submissions that way for this project versus others is um, yeah, just for the practical reality that I see way fewer uh, Latinx cartoonists on social media than uh, other groups of cartoonists. Mm -hmm. That could be that could be partially just like my level of awareness at the time that I started uh, like gathering people for the project. Uh, uh, since then, I know that it's also partially that it is way easier to find Latinx concept artists and <laughs> aspiring animators uh, on social media. I don't know what that's about, but it's a thing. There are tons, especially tons of Mexican animation concept artists on Twitter. Go find them, they're amazing, uh, but it wasn't what I needed to find. So I created a lot of leeway for people who necessarily wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't feel like they were right for this or didn't have all the social networking to be part of this, uh, to not have to worry about that. Uh, and I also wanted everyone to, everyone to be from uh, as many different uh, cultures in Latin America as possible. Like I didn't want an anthology that was like, okay, it's 99% Puerto Ricans and me who's Cuban. Like, just cause like the, like there just happened to be tons of awesome like Puerto Rican cartoonists. Like I wanted to mm. really get in there and find people, maybe even people who hadn't necessarily made a comic before, but had interest um, who are like from El Salvador. Like, I don't see that many cartoonists from El, El Salvador on Twitter. So I, I found them all. <laughs> like, Which ones do I like? <laughs> um, can I, can I ask Joe? It, so I, I mean, I love that. Oh, that was, oh, oh. oh no. I almost, uh, that thought was headed somewhere. Go, I got go, a little go. lost in the wind. So let me complete the thought. Go, go, the, go. Po the point of all that was that we were already a few weeks into the process before everyone was paired up. And I was like, okay, let's make sure everyone is in really solid, no one's switching around, no one's backing out, new people aren't coming in, like solid teams, before I put out a list of everyone who's in the book. So that I don't have to go then amend the list or publicly mm. or like whatever. Um, and you know, one thing led to another because I have many jobs. <laughs> so it's sort of now in the months leading up to the anthology that uh, you, Leo, and like everyone else is sort of saying, wait, wait, who's in the book with me? Wait, wait, this person that I'm a fan of is in here? What's going on? Like, it, it's been great seeing like, like this love fest when I started tagging like all 50 of you yes. in the social media press, everyone's like, oh my God, yes. we're all so great. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, I, yeah, those did kind of, blow. and then I'm like, wait, am I an idiot because I didn't realize this or did you <laughs> structure this just such a way that we would yeah, all realize it like this? <laughs> yeah, it was structured in such a way. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I figured. Um, I, I I did have a question. Uh, like I was I was of course like super thrilled and intrigued by your your decision to do the to to pair people that way. Is that at all normal for an anthology? Like, is that a first? Is that just rare? Like, I feel like I I, I, I'm, I haven't seen that, but but maybe I'm just uninformed. I think it's rare. I think most people who do anthologies don't do it because it is 
more complicated than doing it the other way. So, and, and most people who make anthologies aren't like, like the anthologies they make aren't paying their rent once they've published them. So they're like, okay, I want to make something. It'll add representation to the community. It'll be great. Everyone will have a little thing to sell at the convention, but I'm not going to like bankrupt myself for hours and hours of extra like fiddly, like things like, pairing strangers together and making sure they get along, et cetera. Um, mm. I, since, uh, since my anthologies are part of like a company that I'm running on a continual basis, I'm trying to build it. It's like, a, it, it is partially like how I pay my rent. Uh, it's, it's, it's my job. I have more than one job, but it's my job. So I, I really don't mind uh, I didn't mind putting in that work to get the quality and nature of product that I wanted to end up with. Um, I knew sort of how the process would work a bit because I got to do it once before when I was assistant editing on a shout out anthology by Toronto Comics. They always do it that way. They pair people together. Um, and give separate applications for writers and artists. Um, I, I don't know why they put in <laughs> uh, that work every single time other than uh, Stephen Andrews seems like a saint to me. Uh, <laughs> that's probably why. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I was able to sort of wet my feet and understand that process before implementing it myself. Awesome. And we haven't actually mentioned this since, and Ushi in, in the Twitch chat meant, uh, asked, when does the Kickstarter go up, Joe? The Kickstarter goes up on Tuesday, July 21st. You have to follow us on Kickstarter. Go to kickstarter.com slash profile slash power and magic. Hit follow on that profile, and you will get a notification email the microsecond that the Kickstarter launches on Tuesday. Yeah, and uh, and anybody listening uh, can can also find the link in the description on the Twitch channel if you're watching. Um. Very good question, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like, yeah. Ushi's actually a plant. No, no, he's not. He's not. He's not. He's awesome. <laughs> we know Ushi. Well, to be to be fair, I figured we'd get there at like the end, like during the pluggables. But you know, it's. True. True. Yeah, no, we can we can plug that a few times. You're no stranger yeah. to Kickstarter, though. You're uh, right. kind of an old hand by this point. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing one every year since 2016. Mm. So, can, can you can you tell us a little bit about your 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 narrative arc of of your character at, uh, running Kickstarters? Because every time I, I I check in with somebody while they're mid Kickstarter. Uh, you know, I feel, I feel like it's like war stories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hmm. I guess it, it, it very much is a sort of coming of age arc. Like I think back to me trying to run a Kickstarter in 2016 and feeling like, definitely feeling like, like a hero, like venturing out or whatever, being like, yeah, I've got my sword, I've got my equipment, I've got my pals, we're gonna go and we're gonna beat up the dragon. And then you go, you beat up the dragon and you just barely escape with your life. And you're like, oh my God, 
I needed to grind way more <laughs> before doing that. Uh, our first Kickstarter was a big success. It overfunded, but I learned so many things. I tripped in so many ways that um, allowed me to say, okay, the next one's gonna be better. It's gonna be easier. And in a lot of ways it was, um, but sure enough, pretty much every time I run a Kickstarter, there is a sort of a new thing that you that sort of didn't come up the first time or like is suddenly different. And you're like, oh, I guess you can't do that the same way again. Um, but yeah, right now I feel like I'm in the part of my arc where I guess to mix the metaphors, if this was like a like a, a sort of slice of life growing up uh, drama, uh, I'm at the high school like exams, like sort of that age where you're like, oh man, if I do really good on this test, maybe I can go to a good college afterwards. <laughs> I'm sort of at the part where I'm like, I think I'm, I think I understand this now. I feel like we're leveling up a bit. Uh, like for example, uh, and the pandemic sort of forced this a little bit, but I think it's it's a good direction for us. Uh, this year we have partnered with White Squirrel, which is a uh, fulfillment company for independent artists based in Seattle, Washington. Um, and from now on, they will be fulfilling our Kickstarters, uh, warehousing our products, and also fulfilling the orders from our online store. Up until now, all of our books have lived inside my house. Just, uh, and for context, I uh, normally buy about 2000 books minimum. Uh, anytime we run a Kickstarter. Uh, so my house is usually just like a jungle of cardboard and now it won't be. Now I don't even <laughs> like like there's all this stuff I learned about like, oh, this is how you this is how you buy postage from home. I need a stamps.com account. I need I need to write down like my SKUs so I can quickly look up like the weight of my products from last time I weighed them, etc. And now I've reached a point where it's like, oh, you can just forget all that. You don't need to know that anymore. It's not your job. <laughs> someone someone else does that now. Um which is huge. It's really, really huge. No, that, um, that big ups White Squirrel. I've never heard of White Squirrel. And it's, it's run by women, apparently. I'm looking at the site right now. Um, mm -hmm. And they're, yeah, they're, they're making it happen. This is this is awesome because, I mean, you know, we're probably going to see the death of Diamond by the end of the year. So uh, we're going to need uh, a bunch of White Squirrels to kind of run some shit in comics now. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, they are neighbors with Emerald Comics Distro, who we've been partnered with for, I want to say, two years now. And uh, uh, despite the name, they're not necessarily trying to be a diamond replacement, um, but they are sort of trying to be the diamond for independent comics. Indie diamond, yeah. And yeah, Indie Diamond. Uh, the, the diamond for comics that Diamond acts like really weird about and may not even take. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Diamond definitely has a, uh, a floppy bias. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so we've been partnering with them for a couple years and that's amazing. And now because they're neighbors with White Squirrel, now I don't even have to do like product hands handoffs to Emerald 
anymore. They can literally, like, they have this synergy of like, all right, more stores want copies of Heartwood. I'm going to knock on White Squirrel's door and be like, what's the Heartwood inventory looking like? I'm like, oh, I'm going to request this many copies. And just, just thinking about the sort of infrastructure that's very slowly building gets me really, really excited. <laughs> wow. That's so cool. That is awesome. Yeah. Hmm. So <laughs> running like you're you're part of the, the comic industry from Portland. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. So um well first of all, I just want to also just pop in for anyway anybody listening who hasn't uh you know, shout out to Ushi uh, you know who commented on the, you know being excited about the queer witch anthology but um i just want to definitely say to everybody listening uh really check out joe's work because like these are all super high quality books and uh i know that manana is going to be isn't going to be any different um i want to i want to talk for a minute just about i mean we already did begin to speak about it about you know latinx representation and the lack thereof but um i think what you're doing is pretty much a first, right? Like, I mean, there's a lot of, there's many places where Latinx people are underrepresented, but I mean, sci-fi, uh, definitely, right? Like, so I guess talk about um, when you first even conceived this idea. And also, you know, I, I, wanna, I wanna give a quick flashback. Uh, I think we were the first place you announced it, right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. were. I was thinking about that uh, right before the call that uh, the announcement for Manana was a, a, a Black Comics Chat exclusive. Oh, that's right. <laughs> exclusive, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, yeah, like, what, um, I guess just, just talk about the, the conception of, of, of Manana and, and also just um, the, the journey of, of putting Latinx people in the future and uh, in that representation. Yeah, so. Uh, Latinidad is something that I think about pretty constantly. I mean, obviously, as a Latinx person, I would, but like, I mean, on this like level of, I just think about the way Americans talk about Latinidad. I think about the way that uh, Latinxes in the United States sort of, uh, they're, they're kind of, there's this sort of, uh, almost weird reverse tribalism where instead of like, no, we're each our own, or, or I guess there's both. There's like, we're each our own thing. I'm not Mexican, I'm Puerto Rican, right? And like, and like white Americans don't wanna bother with the difference or barely even mm -hmm. know where like mm -hmm. Puerto Rico is sometimes. Um, but then there's also the reverse where like Latinxes and Americans will be like, you're all Latinos. Latinos are just like this one thing. And uh, Latinxes are like, yeah, la raza, am I right? And it's like, I <laughs> I know nothing about your culture, my Salvadoran friend. Like, I don't know what you eat. I don't know what you just said in Spanish because I speak a different dialect. Like, there's, there's so much complexity. Um, yeah to Latinidad that uh, most people aren't aware of in this country. Wait. So are you saying we, all, we don't all eat Goya? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we do all eat Goya, don't get me wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
By the way, R.I.P. Goya. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, like I like I told my my friend and contributor to Manana, Tristan Tarwater. Uh, the CEO is a billionaire Spaniard, so this is not surprising at all. Uh, <laughs> at all. At all. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, so. So I like give a lot of thought to how big an umbrella Latinx is, how little we talk about our differences and how important those differences are and sort of how the problems that affect some Latinx groups more than other Latinx groups are usually just universe universalized as like, oh, Latinxes are like targeted and sent to uh, camps on the border and all that stuff. And it's like, okay, let's get something straight. <laughs> Undocumented people are at higher risk, obviously, but also brown Latinxes are at higher risk. Mm -hmm. um, I have many, many relatives who would never be looked at twice by ICE. And I have relatives who have been imprisoned by ICE. Uh, so even within the same community, um, there's, just, there's just so much going on and so much of our story the, that gets flattened as the Latinx story is we're not wanted here. We don't belong here. There are certain places we're allowed to be, certain places we're not allowed to be. Mm -hmm. uh, there are languages we should be speaking or not speaking, and it changes depending on who you ask. You're either terrible because you speak Spanish or you're terrible because you don't speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. um, and so much of our history never gets brought up into it. Like People don't talk about the fact that a lot of the migrant workers... Mm -hmm in our fields are of indigenous descent or are coming from the fucking campos in Southern Mexico and Central America where they're like facing inequalities in their own country, not just because of, you know, US global capital and all that stuff, but because of inequalities built into their own societies. Like we don't talk about the slavery that takes or that took place in Latin America. We don't talk about the fact that 40% of all Africans that were trafficked during the transatlantic slave trades went to Brazil. Mm -hmm. They are Brazilians. Mm -hmm. uh, and in carrying all that stuff all the time and thinking through it all the time, I started to feel like, you know what? I would love a break. Like what comes after? <laughs> like everything that has come before and that is happening now is so heavy. And even if when we look towards the future, we don't necessarily see a clean solution. We don't see a utopia ahead. We see new problems or we see old problems with new solutions, et cetera. What is the future? What's coming? Because so much of Latinidad is about like retaining our culture, retaining our past and arguing with each other about what our past even was and what our past means and what our identities are. So yeah, like there aren't 
very many like pop cultural representations of Latinx people in the future, it, it sometimes feels like we don't have one. And I feel like that's something that like, obviously is not just true uh, in like the Latinx imagination, but also the black imagination. That's why there's Afrofuturism, like a movement to sort of give people hope and motivation to, to like use their creativity, to look to the future, to have the audacity to say, yeah, in 500 years, a thousand years, 2000 years, I'm still gonna be here. I gotta, you gotta think about tomorrow. You gotta think about mañana, what, what's gonna happen? What's it gonna be? Um, so yeah, the, the anthology has stories that are set in a uh, space with flashbacks to parts of Latin America, and then also stories that are set uh, on Latin America proper. So it's not just like a Latinx is in space <laughs> anthology, right. even, though that's, even though that's a hashtag and that's great. And yeah, that's great. I like it. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I, I, I definitely didn't want it to just be Latinx is in space because I feel like we're also a people that often gets like divorced from the earth, like the parts of the earth that we are from either we were displaced there or we had to flee there or we had to flee yet again because there are people because like there are people who immigrated to latin america at some point and now their ancestors have to flee latin america yet again yep. to the united states yep. mm -hmm. so it's it's like a cycle of immigration and scarcity and seeking home and seeking place uh so it was very important to me that there be like lots of stories that are like this is latin american dirt and this is where the story takes place we have a place it's here and it's somewhere that we can live it's somewhere where we can thrive and they're also uh they're like my story takes place in miami uh, and there's another story that takes place in san diego and i wanted to also have stories that took place in the united states technically because we do belong here like this is also our home uh just because like at some point in very recent human history, we decided that nations should be a thing uh, and that we should have policed borders. Doesn't mean that suddenly it's wrong or unnatural for human beings to, to flow across the lands of the earth. Like as long as we have been able to like respect each other's boundary, respect each other's like, like safety and culture as long as we're able to do that, there's no reason that like, we shouldn't be welcoming everyone trying to get in here from Latin America with open arms. There's no right. reason we should have these concepts of, well, this imaginary line determines what type of person you are and where your fate has to take place. Um, so yeah, so in that sense, it was also important to me that the US be considered part of the Latin American setting. Um, but yeah. Uh, I was not as excited about Oscar Isaac and Star Wars as other people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Speak on I, it. But, but I will bring him up now mainly because um, he, he is partially responsible for why, like, in the past few years specifically, it has been very much on my mind that you don't see many Latinx people in sci-fi. Mm -hmm. um, I think part of that is the fact that Star Wars is a... Um, it's not like our world in the future. It's a fa it's a fantasy world. Right. 
Star Wars is right. It's all it's Alderaan. But uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, so when people try to put Latinxes in a, like science fantasy or like a, a fantasy or sci-fi setting, you start to see the complications of what it means to be Latinx. Because mm-hmm. what because what really makes Poe Dameron Latinx? Like there's there's backstory and there's like comics or whatever that people can read that sort of add a little bit more of that nuance. But like in the films proper, what makes Poe Dameron Latinx? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, those hips. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't lie. So. <laughs> right, and, and at the same at the same thing. I mean, what makes Cassian Andor a right. Latinx? I mean, obviously, was it his accent? You know what I mean? So I totally, I totally get that. I, I think about that a lot. Right, or, or like, or like. I mean, I don't want to. We can go really way, way too deep down this rabbit hole, but like, were Finn's ancestors slaves? Like, right, right. I, mean, I don't know. Most likely not. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. It's uh, yeah. It, it, well, it, in some way, okay, technically, he was a slave. Yeah. He, well, he yeah. was mm. literally a slave. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, you see, you know, I won't go down this rabbit hole because I feel like the <laughs> <It's>, question, <laughs> because I feel like that question about Finn has a way simpler answer than the question of like. What makes Poe Dameron Latinx? Mayhaps, mayhaps, right, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know, it's funny because, uh, well, you, you, you kind of beat me to it. I was going to follow up your, your really, you know, profound answer to the last question just by posing this question to the three of you. Um, I've talked on the show about, like, being a little kid um, in the 80s and seeing uh, Roadblock from G.I. Joe, like in the, on the toy shelves and, you know, knowing that I had to have them. Um, and it's funny because it's like, you know, you know, robots cool or whatever, but it, it, there's very much a thing in the eighties, definitely, I mean, being black, where you took the representation you could get, you know? And so I guess like I'm posing this question to everyone on the, on the panel, like what of the scant and scarce uh, representation, is there anything that jumps out in your mind where you know, of, of a character that you saw when you were young and you, you kind of latched on to, whether for good reasons or just because they were there? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's tough. Um, you know, I, I always talk about sort of living in both worlds, um, being Afro-Latino. So um, it's definitely seeing like Roadblock is like, wow, that's like the closest thing to me as a kid, uh, mm-hmm. Roadblock. Um, but in comics, there was, there's no, nothing, nobody. I, I can talk about Vibe only in the sense that Vibe was the closest thing, but Vibe was so, so much a, 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 <laughs> a caricature <laughs> of, of what I thought, you know, being Latino was, but yet it was the only thing you had. Um, but there, there isn't much. I mean, there still isn't much, in, at least in my vision. There isn't. The closest there, thing would be the closest thing for me would be Miles. Right. Um, but, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, I sorry. Go ahead, Joe. I can't think of anyone from when I was young. Like every every character that meant a great deal to me and really impacted me as a kid. 
it was because they were also a girl. Like it was never, it was never race or ethnicity because I didn't see that <laughs> in anything. Right. Huh. Yeah, Miles as like as an adult, Miles Morales right. is definitely one of those characters for me. But I almost like yeah, like like you referenced Poe Dameron and and you know you have Miles and I, I feel like as lacking as we are right now, you know, it's it's a little bit more. I was even thinking of just just the, those those years of the '90s and '80s. But yeah, there, there really isn't much. I was what was I mean, like if I can answer that question, and I yeah, I, yeah. I feel like I but I feel like I've, I've probably answered it on the show before. Like I always say that like I felt like I found like quote unquote my people when I started uh, reading novels from South America. Like when mm. I discovered Gabriel Garcia Marquez, when I discovered Julio Cortazar, when I discovered Juan Rulfo, which is Mex Mexico, of course. Um, it was like, so that's weird because I don't, it's, I, did I, I, did I see representation in these expressions? Like, I'm not exactly sure, but I saw like, I saw like a recognition and a sort of, and a very, very like uh, uh, limber and and, uh, and 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 like you know like just elastic uh, state of mind and perspective that I just like glommed onto, and I was like, I get these, and then that just became my obsession. Uh, like I didn't, it, my mom didn't like give me these books when I was a kid. Like I sort of just found them. I just found them like on my own, going you know because I was a latchkey kid, and I would like sit in libraries constantly. And I, you know, was reading like total garbage and some good stuff too, but like a lot of trash, like Piers Anthony. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then, like I discovered them, and immediately, I like I felt a certain kinship to these conflicts, and uh, and and I don't know, like like this mentality, and that just became like a massive rabbit hole for me. So that's weird. Like, it's did, is that okay to like have representation literally in like in like tech? That's not visual. Absolutely. It's not visual Absolutely. at all, though. It's like it is like totally. But it, but at the same time, like you know, reading those books, I felt uh, I felt a connection that I just didn't have with like any other like piece of media. And yeah, like I mean, honestly, I think that when I was a kid, uh, I think I've mentioned also this on the show before. Like, I thought Craven was Latinx. Because I was just, because I was yeah, just, yeah, I was just that. looking for it. Like I was like, okay, that's yeah, one, that's yeah, one. Like yeah, uh, I, yeah. I'll take it. You know, like I was like yeah, making yeah, shit yeah. up because there was nothing. You know, Spider Man had a few uh, villains who were who were Latinx. They wouldn't last long, but they were there. Yeah, the '80s were rough for representation. We, we've talked about even like artistically. Yeah, wasn't uh, someone in the Legion in the uh, in. Uh, not, I'm sorry, not the lead. The Teen Titans. Who in no. the Teen Titans was, uh, was Latinx? Um, Someone I don't know, was, was Changeling? Wait, Changeling wasn't, uh, or Beast Boy? What? Was he? I know, I know he's green, no. but I don't know. Beast Boy yeah. is something. No, like, like Perez better have put some fucking Latinx people in that team. I swear to God. I swear to God. I'm rereading that Perez run right now. And uh, I don't, I don't now, think now, so. now I gotta look it up. Garth? Yeah. Garth? I don't think Garth has a Spanish. Yeah, he might not be. Uh, there really is like fucking nobody. Like, and nobody. still, 
And I want, I'm sorry, I want, I want to give some shine because there's some really good conversation happening in this yeah, chat good, right good now. Yeah, good chats happening. Yeah, I, like, I want to shout out Donald in Washington who was talking, who like said something which I feel like we've been talking around where uh, she said, uh, the most resilient of us don't exist in these spaces in reference to like the future and sci-fi in, in specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're most likely the only ones to survive. Um, Namalki follows up uh, I think that's why our people don't panic as much as a lot of folks and we can easily make jokes out of things we don't scare we don't scare easily put a fucking underline on it we don't scare easily (laughs) our ancestors have literally been through worse Uh, and it's like yeah yeah. (laughs) yo that is that (laughs) literally given blankets of smallpox we've been through this right right and I'm even thinking about how hard people are panicking about being a majority minority mm. like 50 years from now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. and yeah, yeah. No, I mean, sure. there are plenty of countries, especially in Latin America, where white people are a minority and yep. they're doing mm. just fine. Yep. They're right. still running shit. They so. somehow still be winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Still running shit. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Do, do y'all remember that? Uh, I forget what year it was. It was it was it was a few years ago now. Where uh, there was some magazine cover that was covering the fact that like all these Latino babies are being born, and by this yes. year, like yes. that yeah. stuff. And the cover was like just photos of a bunch of beautifully caramel people, and it was like what America's gonna look like in. 50 years and how that's going to solve racism because oh. there won't be white or black or anything. There'll just be a beautiful caramel people who will all get along. And I'm yeah. like, the beautiful mm-hmm. caramel people of Latin America hate each other. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. so maybe consider that. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's one of my, that's one of my least favorite. Uh, it's, it's such a nineties, you know, take to be like, I, I hate when people repeat it. Cause number one, you're also suggesting that, you know, basically like dark skinned people, like the answer is for them to not be dark skinned, uh, you know? So yeah. I don't know, it's, yeah. it's very oversimplified. It, it's, it's something that like, if you're not thinking or, or you don't have any experience, you're like, oh yeah, okay, yeah. But, but it's not, it's, it's, it's lazy. It's like- and, it's edging toward it's literally edging toward white nationalist logic because the logic of white nationalism is no see what we're saying is we're all only going to get along if we're not around each other Mm. if we just Mm. didn't have to look at people's different skin we wouldn't be around to hurt them problem solved and y'all wouldn't be around to throw us into fits of racist rage so it's a win-win uh it's sort of this this thinking that dates back to um like it really dates back to like pretty much everything happening right now slavery (laughs) um and the fact that like so many abolitionists in this country like their their uh sort of idea wasn't yeah we're anti-slavery free them all and then we'll live in harmony it was more like, yeah, I'm against slavery. I hate looking at black people every day. Send them back to Africa. Let them mm. go back. Uh, yeah. So since then, it's sort of been like this, this admission 
on the part of white people, even the woke white people, supposedly woke, we don't think we're gonna get along. And then a refusal to, to be civil. I guess that pun on civil rights, just like the uh, outright refusal. <laughs> yeah, I would even even equate that to like Christianity. You know, this whole thing like you're not going to get your piece of heaven here, but wait, wait until you die, or wait until a future time, and everything will be perfect. So just settle down with what you have now. Be really good. You know, right. pray, eat your vegetables. You know what I mean? And in 50 years, we'll all look alike and we'll get along. It's just like it's like the same shit. It's this indoctrination of, you know, be good people because you're going to get your slice of heaven later. I feel yeah, like we always... Excuse what we do to you in the meantime. Exactly. So sorry, Joe. We, no, we, we always take it to this level when I'm on. I <laughs> 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 think yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, the book. <laughs> yes, yes. Let's get back to Buy Miami. comics. They're fun. So, um, <laughs> how, how, how big would you say this is? If, if I wanted to buy a hard copy, are we looking like a 100 pages, 200 pages? Give, give us an idea. This book is 275 pages. Hells of yes. Shit. Hells yes. <laughs> this book will weigh more than one pound. <laughs> wow. Yo, that's are you selling hard copies? Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, the yeah, the the Kickstarter raises the money that we use to pay our creators for all of their hard work, um, to print the books, to pay for everyone's shipping, and to cover any of the extra rewards we have to sort of like thank people for pledging at higher tiers. But the base reward is always you pledge, you get a copy of the book, and you get a choice between a digital copy or a hard copy, and if you choose a hard copy, it automatically comes with a digital copy. Always the best way to do copy. it. That's I'm always a hard copy. Hells yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then, we, and then we can all have a big like hangout and sign them once Comic-Cons exist again, because that's totally going to happen. Comic-Cons are gonna, there's, do you remember Comic-Cons? Do y'all remember Comic-Cons? I do. I it's like everybody was like hanging out and like and if, you know what we were all in a big mask none of us had masks on and we all smelled terrible like right. just the worst well I'm, I'm optimistic that you know it can come back with a new level of of cosplay just like, like uh, we're all wearing gimp suits it, yeah or, or hazmat wow. whatever like we went, yeah, we went yeah. straight to gimp suits <laughs> hazmat, but you know I, I figured leo would take it there <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, I, I definitely want to have a, uh, a like, huge all manana, like, rager. Yeah. <laughs> the next uh, convention we can all go to is, but um, I, I will say, y'all are going to catch me at a convention after I'm vaccinated. Oh, that's when oh, that's going to sure. happen. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not playing. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, oh, and uh, one of the stretch goals we want to do, uh, stretch goals are uh, sort of added perks if we raise a certain amount above what our goal is. Uh, one of the like most important stretch goals we want to accomplish is translating all of Manana into Spanish as well. Nice. 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 I love it. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Mm. Wow, cool. 
So what's the uh, what's the date again? I know you said it before, but just to keep it fresh. Twenty first, baby. Yep, July twenty first. This That's right Tuesday. around the corner. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that that better be in my freaking Kickstarter like uh, projects that yeah, we're, yeah. that we're hype about. Projects we love here. Yeah, that <laughs> fucking better because some of the nonsense they put on that like I'm like okay. Yeah. <laughs> I better see yeah Kickstarter if you're listening. I better see that. I better see that in my weekly email. Well, you know, to be to be fair, uh, all of Power and Magic Press's projects, except our first uh, project, uh, have been named a project we love. Awesome. So it's likely. <laughs> you know, Kickstarter should start doing projects we hate. <laughs> They'd be like, Can oh you believe God. this shit? Because I see, I see some terrible <laughs> Kickstarters. <laughs> God, like you know. Contrast. That's that's what makes Kickstarter a democracy. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, have you guys seen this shit? Like, (laughs) this dude wants to kickstart waifu pillows. Of what's the worst thing you can make a waifu pillow out of? Uh, Minecraft Enderman. (laughs) Minecraft Enderman waifu pillow. No, I don't know. I made I made that. I literally pulled that out of my ass, but. Okay, I'm, I'm glad you made it up. I'm like, Leo, don't <laughs> people sorry. on blast. No, sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That, that, that's, a, that's a fantasy. Although, now that I've said it, it will be made real, I'm sure. <laughs> if you're, if you're smart, you. you'll do it. Right. You'll no, get to it first. <laughs> that's very true. Um, yeah. Not to, side, not to sidetrack, there's a, you know, again, there's an interesting discussion in the chat. Uh, About I waifu pillows? I, well, no, 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 oh, okay. no. There's, uh, actually, there's a lot of things going on, but uh, I, th- I think it was Ushi brought up uh, Beast, uh, you know, from X Men, and how you know just being a, a stand-in for POCs, and uh, mm. and it, it kind of you know I feel like mm-hmm. it, it actually. But what about before ways... he was furry? He was just this, like big, like brolic white right. dude. Right, right, right. Yeah, but then he, I mean, once he became blue, it was a thing. Although I feel like that. But then he can see color. Right. No, yes, it did, but in but in Grant Morrison's run, like there was a lot about uh, there was a lot about like his emer- his emerging like character transition and like mm-hmm. how that like changed stuff. And then he was using that to fuck with people. Like he pretended he was gay, like literally what? just to make just to have it. You, do you did you not read that? Yeah, he like he pretended he was homosexual to piss off his ex girlfriend and also to get attention to to like homosexual uh, awareness in the country but then later he's like i'm not he is just like he was changing and he's like i'll be everything i mean grim morrison's hmm. run is kind of messy but uh yeah, that <laughs> totally did happen that totally did happen um wow yeah uh i i think i'll just choose to believe that beast boy is asian like he is in the uh the tv yes. show right yes. right Oh, I'm sorry. Are we talking about Beast and X Men or Beast and? Well, uh, both. I mean, We're both, both have been okay. discussed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We, we are talking X Men, but there's also a discussion because you know we brought we were trying to figure out Teen Titans. The Titans, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's yeah, that's what I was. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought we were still talking about Beast. Boys. We're talking about both. We're talking about all, all beasts, all different forms of beasts, beauties, beauties, and uh, <laughs> Beast Wars. Uh, beast Wars. Anybody mad enough to go Beast mode? We're talking about them. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ro Beast. Yeah. Ro Beast. Have y'all Very seen? Good. Have y'all seen the uh, 
the last season of Clone Wars? Yes, oh, I, I Tony. Definitely I mean, has. you are welcome to discuss it. Just maybe no heavy spoilers. I'm, I'm. That's on my list for like the next next week. Oh, I was just gonna say, uh, Tony Rafa is on my list of relatable representation characters. Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Oh my god, I keep saying if you haven't watched the last season, and I, and I gave Marcus some homework. Yeah, yeah, Tony gave me good homework. So I gave him good homework so that he can watch certain episodes before the last season. I saw that. Um, and now Star Wars has another another animated show coming out uh, called The Bad Batch, which oh. is based, yes, which is based on the first three episodes of the last season. Okay. Can I, can I, can I ask a question? Like, the yeah. day that, uh, that Bad Batch uh, yeah. was announced... Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Did, did you? Did ever, anybody have the experience of having to look twice? We all did. Yes, we all did. <laughs> yeah. All right, because I, I definitely saw another word, but it, it, it then, then I, yeah. I, I figured. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I probably would have been more excited about it if if that was what it said. <laughs> yeah, and right. Is people just assumed it was Ahsoka too, and I'm just like, well, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, they should probably work on their, uh, uh, I guess, their imaging. <laughs> right. Or, or I, I was wondering if they did it on purpose. If they were just like, oh, you know, this will get a social media buzz. And it did. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. Now, now I'm thinking about Clone Wars. But yeah. Um, <laughs> it's my fault. No, no. It's all, it's all, it's all good. Yeah. Well, uh, well, Joe. What else have you been watching? Oh, I'm sorry, Tony. Were you? you no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, we always get into an interesting, uh, I think, discussion about things Joe has has, has seen. So, what what have you uh, consumed? Oh gosh, I I don't know. <laughs> I feel like quarantine brain has had me rewatching things that I've already seen. Because it's the most that my fragile psyche <laughs> can handle right. amidst everything. I actually rewatched all of Community recently and have no memory of a gas leak. <laughs> the gas leak. The gas leak season is is all right. So do you know? Do you do you, do you not know the reference? Do you not know what that reference is? So season no. four of Community is like abjectly the worst season. It's the one where Dan Harmon wasn't involved. There are a couple decent episodes in it. I will give you that. But overall, the season is bad. And they make very, like, slight minor references to events that happened during that season. And the idea is that it was during the gas leak. That's why nothing made sense. That's why the episodes were worse, because Dan Harmon wasn't there. And there must have been a gas leak, so people just didn't know what they were doing and don't remember it. That's what the gas Uh. leak... Those are the gas leak episodes. Um, But Community is one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, I'm currently on a... a sabbatical from it because like I can't just keep rewatching it I have to take years away from it so that I can go back to it um, well I will say that objectively mm-hmm. the worst season of community is season six you really you hate season six that much I mean I don't love <laughs> se- I don't love it but I there are there I feel it, like it is it is nigh on intolerable you think six is worse than four <laughs> you think yeah. season six is worse than four Really? Four is four is recognizable as the same show. <laughs> I'm trying thing. to remember six. I've been rewatching it. A too, lot but of I haven't people haven't six. watched six because it was on Yahoo when it came out, and then they never rewatched it when it went to streaming. Oh, yeah. It was maybe like, I didn't see it. 
Yeah, I, I, I actually, I saw it for the first time during my rewatch. As season five was wrapping up, I was like, all right, well, done with that. Got to find another thing to rewatch. And then it kept playing. And I was like, oh, I guess I just forgot about season six. Uh, so I felt like I was experiencing a gas leak while I was watching season six. Wait, doesn't six. season six have the G.I. Joe episode or is that five? I think it's five. Okay. I think it's season five. I like that episode a lot. I like that episode too. Uh, season six is uh, 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 season six is like Troy is gone. Everybody's uh, gone. It's Keith David. Everybody's yeah. Everybody's gone. The white people are there. Uh, Abed is there. Yeah. Wait, is Shirley there? Uh, no, no, Shirley's not there. She oh has goodness. a she has like a five <laughs> second cameo. Like literally a five second cameo. I definitely did not see that season. You know what? I think I saw like the first Yahoo one. And I just forgot about it because it was on Yahoo. So I didn't watch anymore. They added another white woman to the group. They did. And the, the joke about her is that she's so boring, it's funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which I was, I was a little on board with at the beginning. And then as it went on, I was just like, I don't understand why you're here. Uh, and I feel like, like, I think it was just really obvious they didn't have a lot of money. Because a way greater number of scenes were people delivering jokes that needed to be cut down by a sentence or so <laughs> at each other in oh, yeah. a circle for multiple minutes without anything actually happening. I think that happens uh, in season four too. I hate, mm. I hate season four. <laughs> there's, an, there's an episode with actual legitimate Sesame Street Workshop Muppets in it and I fucking hate it. And I should <laughs> love it. That should be something I love. It, Community Plus Muppets should be amazing. And I fucking hate it. it, it it's like embarrassing to watch for me. <laughs> there are a couple episodes in four that I do like, but uh, overall, like, but seasons one to three are perfect, and five is quite good, I think. Five yeah, has I like, a that lot of highlights. Me. Five has like the meow, meow meow beans episode, which is one of my favorite episodes of the show. Oh yeah, the uh, meow meow beans is great. Yeah, like it has a couple of really really big standouts. Um, I also love how when when Troy goes off the show, they actually have Zach Braff Ooh. do the narration. As a like, self-reference <laughs> to him leaving Scrubs, which is just like a layered good joke that I right. yeah. that is good. It's just it's good stuff. Um, All right, so this this may be circular, but um, go, uh, you know, I guess referring to my prior question about uh, you know Latinx sci-fi representation on the screen, um, you know, Luis Guzman, uh, you know, is, is a is a an alumni of uh, absolutely Greendale. Yeah, yeah. So is he? I feel like. There's something on I the love this place. Has I got laid here in... all the time. I think What's that? Quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, has he has he ever been in a sci-fi film? I feel like he, he has. has to have. I will kick bookshelves over if he hasn't. Yes, he. Yeah, must. I'm. I'm trying to think of what he would. Uh, ah, Guzman does. Uh, Guzman plays Mexican a lot and stuff. Guzman like is. Guzman is like one of those. He's one of the guys. Yeah. He's one of the guys. He, that he pulls. Is he Mexican? No. No, he's not. He's Puerto Rican. Okay. He's Puerto Rican. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but he plays Mexican frequently. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Which just, is, for me, so hard to see. But I, because he doesn't look, I, I don't mean like Mexicans look a certain uh -oh, way. Oh, here we I'm go. I'm just saying here like, right. he I'm, looks. I'm muting your mic. I know he, no. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> because he looks to me so like Puerto Rican. I have family who like literally looks like him that when he plays Mexican, I'm like, I don't know. He sounds Puerto Rican. He speaks he... Spanish like a Puerto Rican person speaks yes, Spanish. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I know. That's, what I'm that's the other thing, yes. He 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah, weird. We, I feel like what little representation we get in like any medium, uh, even when it's not like a straight up like gang member or something, it's still the experience is still somehow filtered through the lens of a white creator. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think like the least harmful version of that, which still isn't good, but the least harmful one is where they just cast a Latinx actor and don't say anything. Like they don't, <laughs> they don't say anything about them one way or another. They're just like, right. we got Latinx representation. It's yep. never gonna come up, but see, look at them. There they are. We sh we did it, everyone. <laughs> no, no. That, I mean, that's that's so well put. It's like there is this sort of like, I don't know, like like wild card Latinx neutrality. <laughs> it's like applied to those those roles, and yeah, it's like even if it's, it's like if they do have speaking lines, nothing about their background is ever exactly identified. They have an accent that could be 10 things, you know, like it's just not too much in any direction. That's so, com it's so fucking common. Yeah. Okay, so I found where he was in space and you're gonna okay. laugh when you hear it. Okay, right? okay. Yeah. The Adventures of Pluto Nash. No! <laughs> Wait, did you, did you just Google, did you just Google Luis Guzman in space? <laughs> no, Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fuck. You know uh, what? That should be a talk show, Luis Guzman in Space. I would totally watch that talk show. <laughs> uh, fuck. I've never seen Pluto Nash. I mean, I don't think anyone should, from what I understand of it. But I've yeah. Never, I've never yeah. Seen I don't it. recall seeing it. I'm, I'm willing to just accept that it's bad and go with that. I don't need to clarify it any further. Um, yeah, that was like, you know, that was, that was Eddie Murphy making his mortgage money. That was the idea. <laughs> Uh, not, I don't want to, I don't want to drag the conversation back to community, but uh -huh. I did just okay. remember that for a while there was a running joke on community that their friendship group was really diverse, but that they're missing a Latinx. Yes. Yes. Right. right. <laughs> oh my and they God. never hired anyone. I know. <laughs> they just kept making the joke. No. Well, in, all right. In that scene, I know community too. Do not bait me with community because I will, <laughs> but in that scene, it is one of my favorite lines on the entire show. Where um where the dean is trying to get Troy to join the football team, and then Troy says something, and the dean's like, "Oh Troy, you know I love being seen agreeing with you." Yeah. One I of the best lines line. in that show. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, and yeah, no, he says he's like, "Wow, there's really one of every kind of you, uh, Latinos excluded, or whatever." Yeah, he's yeah, yeah, he says yeah. that line in that scene. Love it. Sorry, Marcus. I, I cut you off to to drool about community. No, I don't. I don't even know if I had anything else. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's all good. I think I referenced on the show one of my favorite. I I just utilize this in life. Uh, there's that scene where where Britta is is saying, "I can excuse the racism, but right, it's true, like, it's true. you can excuse the racism." <laughs> yeah. That's not only a good line, but it, that's not just a good line, but it explains so it much about Britta's character. That's like yeah, yeah, ridiculously yeah. Oh, yeah. on point. Oh yeah. For the for 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 the audience, the whole line is uh I can excuse racism, but I draw the line at animal cruelty, which is right, so on brand. Oh yeah, yeah. If you yeah, if you with the animal cruelty part, it's extra on point. <laughs> yeah. hey, do I sound like I'm distant? I'm over here making a drink. 
Do I sound like I'm in the yes. other room? Hey guys, yes. hey, I'll be right there. <laughs> wow. All right, Lee Leo is, is, is doing his com Tom Cruise uh, drink mixing. <laughs> I was like having a mix. Here. I was having a cocktail this whole time, secretly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. What's what's uh what's going on in the chat? Oh, new mutants. I I just saw the word new mutants. Oh, what, what about new mutants? Is that is that, is that oh! something that's coming out at some point? Oh! What are you talking about? I don't know what they're talking about. Oh, uh, you know what? I think it might have been a response to what the what you guys were talking about about the generic Latinx people. I'm guessing. That's yeah, right. they tried to cast this like. Yeah. Don't yeah. quote me because this might be the wrong country, but I think they tried to cast this white Brazilian dude as a member of the New Mutants, who's clearly mm -hmm. like a black Latinx guy Sunspot. in the comics. Sunspot, yeah. Sunspot there we go. Oh! Oh, they whited up Sunspot? He, now he's Moonspot. Ayo! <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> you said you were making a drink, or were you drinking? No, uh, both. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Uh, we, we've had some hair-raising uh, experiences with alcohol. On <laughs> <laughs> Back in the, back in the go into it. Oh, oh my God, that's hysterical. Uh, so all right, let's uh, let, let, let's get into some some more. I mean, we've been in the chat uh, portion of the show, but yeah, like just what, like uh, rambling stuff. Yo, I'm watching Narcos. Uh, Chico was bugging me to watch Narcos for a while, so I finally sat down with Narcos. I watched the Pablo Escobar arc. Um, I like it. I don't totally love the shit out of it. Also, I was gonna do a whole Twitter thread about this, but I, I hate I hate getting weird on Maine. And it was that I have. A, a, first of all, has anybody on the sh on the chat watched Narcos? Am I the last one? Not to see yet. It? No. You haven't seen I it. I have. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. I've Tony? seen some of it. I've seen some of it. The, um, yeah, I've seen some of it. Okay, so like, <clears throat> this is like. This is, so, oh wow, this relates to the, what we were talking about before. This is such a nerdy, shitty, like, it's been actually, but it is like that to me. So this whole show starts with, first of all, a white guy who is the, like, one of the main characters of the show, whose name is Boyd Holbrook, which isn't a name. No one is named. No one was ever <laughs> named Boyd Holbrook. Um, but that's the guy who plays one of the DEA agents, that, the DEA agent who's not Pedro Pascal. And the whole show starts and the Escobar arc ends with this inane fucking rant about framing Colombia as the home of magical realism. Okay, so the, you, you can't call something, the home of magical realism is a complicated fucking statement. And I understand that the reason where that line comes from is from like somebody literally like, clicking the first link on Google and being like, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, Colombia, magical realism, whatever, that's it. But that's not true. That's not how that shit works. And I love Marquez, obviously. And I would even like go so far as to say like he mayhaps popularized magical realism and maybe like in some sense Crioismo. But he's not, Colombia is not the home of it. And he's not the father of magical realism. Like that is, like I... My life has been research having to explain. I'm not going to explain it on the show where magical realism really comes, the roots of magical realism, but it's complicated. It's not Colombia, mm. but the show starts with it as like, the home of magical realism is Colombia, and this is what magical realism is. And the idea is to reference Escobar as a sort of magical realist creature that, like, he is like this dude who came from nothing, and so his life was this sort of like, you know, like fantasy, which is a, just a heavy handed 
attempt to, I don't know, I'm, I'm twisting my wrist right now, Latinxify something, like, hey, it's about drug dealers, but also this is about magical realism. Like, you did not need to do that. I did not need to hear a white man saying it. And the show, and the our Escobar arc begins and ends with it. I'm very fucking annoyed at that. No one has ever said anything about this intro to the show. It is factually inaccurate. It is philosophically inaccurate. Um, what... Would it be fair to say that it's appropriate to that character to think that? I, I sort of think that's insulting because magical realism is not rags to riches. That really has nothing to do with the context of that, you know, oh, no, artistic oh, no, I... movement. But that is all the show wants to say about it is like magical realism Colombia, Pablo Escobar really had a crazy oh. life, didn't he? Like that's, well, that's not that's not what I'm saying. Oh, I'm okay. asking, uh, was that stated by a narrator, and was the narrator a character who would have believed that about magical realism? Oh, possibly, but it is a character, and he is the narrator. Pedro Pascal narrates start in season three, but Boyd Holbrook fucking. Right. I want to make up names like, for him. Wax, wax, functioning. Like I, I don't know. Like <laughs> Boyd Holbrook is not a name. Um, yeah, no, it is a character, and he is a narrator. But I think in the context of the show, it's it, the narrative is treated in a sort of retroactive fashion to the point where he appears omniscient, and it's not just a matter of like a character, a a, a person. He's based on a true person, a guy who right, got something right. wrong. It is expressed with authority. I think okay, it's supposed right. to be eaten, just eaten up like that. Okay, yeah, yeah, that that's dumb and bad. Uh, yeah, it, I I would I would only accept that in the scenario where like we're repeatedly maybe reminded over the course of narration that our narrator is is like has like his personalities in it, and he and we see his flaws in the narration, and we see that he's wrong in the narration and stuff like that. Mm, right, right, right. I don't think if anybody listening in the chat has has uh, has, has watched Narcos, like comment on this, but. Um, I don't think that it is, aside, but I will say that he has, he's a DEA agent in Colombia for a while and he never learned Spanish or tries very hard to, which is, which is based on a true story. So maybe the guy that is based on never really did. Yeah, but it's like, I was going to say that idiot. sounds about white to me. <laughs> yeah, like, I know, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's presented as that, as I like, look how wrong this Blanquito is. I don't think it's really, I don't think it's, it's yeah, pressed, yeah. it's pressed as that. It's sort of like. Isn't this thought a thoughtful twist on you know Escobar? Escobar is a magical realist creature, and like this, no, like he doesn't have like it's such a strain, and it's also not true. Like yeah, like regardless of where the home of it is, that statement doesn't even make any sense. Like it doesn't make any sense. I know it's just so thin. It's so fucking thin, and it annoys me. Absent of that, the show is pretty good. And like we were talking about before the show, Pedro Pascal is in it. He is a beautiful man. And his mustache makes him less beautiful, which makes him easier to deal with. Like, if you had to... Look, the, it's Mandalorian perfect casting for him. Because if I had to stare at his face the entire show, it would just be distracting. Put him in a helmet. <laughs> put him in a helmet, and it's cool. Like, I can totally vibe. Everybody's fine. We can focus on the story. Helmet or mustache? He needs, some, he needs something on. Because he's... I just googled. I just googled his mustache because I've been riffing with y'all, but I couldn't really call to mind his mustache. Uh -huh. And I like him better with the mustache. Really? 
Yeah. I, like, I don't, it'd be hard to fuck that up. Like, I don't not like him. With the, <laughs> he's still great with the mustache. But I feel like it sort of humanizes him slightly to me. Like, I'm like, okay, you're just a guy. It's fine. It's uh, definitely better when he doesn't only have the mustache. Like, when he has the full, like, he yeah, has a little bit yeah. of straggle and the mustache. Yeah, yeah. Then, then he's peak Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then I don't know how you're going to feel about him in Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> Wait, are there images even... of that? Oh. Because <laughs> he, he plays Maxwell Lord. Lord. Is, is that Maxwell Lord. Yeah. Oh, weird. Wait, I I'm going to put that I'm, together. Yeah. Wait, I got to see this. I, I have not seen this. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty 80s stuff in that movie. We're all furiously he's Googling blonde, right now. Yeah, blonde hair. Oh, oh, my, oh my God. God, he looks like a game show host. <laughs> yeah, 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 he looks like a different person. I'm putting. I'm putting. He's looking like Chuck Woolery. That's why I. Okay, I'm, I'm not putting this. I'm putting this on the Twitch. I'm putting in this on the Twitch. Like we all yeah, need, yeah. To, <laughs> need to bear witness to Pedro Pascal as a, as a. Wow. He like he. This is Wheel of Fortune vibes right here. Yep. Yeah. You just blew my mind, Tony, because I I've seen that trailer many times, but I did not put that together. That is I him. didn't either. I didn't that either. Is, that is Chuck Woolery. <laughs> wow. Oh, by the way, you heard the news about Chuck Woolery, right? Yes. Yeah, he's garbage. Yeah, no, but aside from being well, garbage, he was he was yeah. doing all this shit, and then his son got sick from COVID. He deleted his Twitter account. Ah, no. his entire account. He just deleted. He literally. He's been crying about how COVID is fake for ages, and then his son got sick, and he's like, like I feel so bad for the kids of these Looney yep. Tunes who yeah, are just yeah. not probably not protecting their kids whatsoever. Yeah. But needless to say, I'm definitely watching this movie. But not in the theaters. <laughs> but not in the theaters. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you could watch it in the theaters if you wanted to. <laughs> um, but D- DC's holding off on this movie. They want, it, they want it to be in the theaters. And I'm like, well, it's going to have to be next year. Yeah, Look, even Nolan isn't... It hasn't, hasn't Nolan, like, kind of... He, it was his tenant delayed I saw August, though. I no, no, I think that's been pulled. I think that's been pulled. Okay, he was good, he was good. bitching about that for a while, but then he was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. Um, I feel yeah. like it would have to be twenty twenty two, even. Mm, for real. Yo, make drive-in movies a thing again. How about that? Yeah, that would that would be great. There, there have been drive-in. Yeah, I'm. Oh, I'm so I'm so down for that. I'm so down for that. There have been. There are I'm, some that are running. Yeah. You yeah, would just yeah. have to not go to the bathroom. Didn't we, <laughs> didn't we go to a drive-in at some point in upstate New York? Was I with you when we went to see the Simpsons movie? Or no? Um, I don't think we saw it together, but yeah, there's one here. There's one. Uh, I went to one. the one that's that's in upstate like twice. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Fun time. Oh, movies. Yeah, so definitely not going to see Tenet. I don't know what I would love to, but that's just not going to happen anytime soon. I'm not risking my life to see even a Christopher Nolan movie, like just right. Like, right. <laughs> as much as you might want to, they, you know what they they tried to pull it because what they were what they were going to do was they were going to put Inception back in the theaters, and I was like, oh, mm, that's right, mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Inception came out ten years ago this week. Easily one of my favorite films. I love Inception. I was like, Ooh, ten years, man. Yep, that's crazy. Time. I love it, man. I man, I could watch that. Inception is one of those. I'm sure we all have these movies. One of those movies that, like, if it's on the screen partway through, yeah, watch I'll watch it. the yeah, rest watch of it. it. I'll sit and watch mm-hmm. the rest of it. Like, it's one of those. Yeah, I saw that in the theater multiple times, which I almost never do with movies. Yeah, I think that's one that we saw together. 
I think we did, yeah. 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 You sure it wasn't a dream within a dream? It very well could have been. <laughs> I'll just be here waiting for Spider-Verse 2. Yes. <laughs> what, what year did um, that one day was what, like 2022? Is that one? I what think was 2022. Originally? 2022. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So that's actually realistic. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, like, but, as we, as, but as we've mentioned on the show before, like, and as I've been insisting since the start of this, practically the start of this pandemic, it's like, animation is going to be just like on top of shit because of everything that's going on. And as we all know, Tuca and Birdie got renewed for a season Mm -hmm. two. I was just thinking that. We're going to see Tuca, man. Tuca and Birdie is like one of my favorite new shows like ever. And that was like like one of the only pieces of good news I got in 2020 was that Cartoon Network grabbed it. Because like that was a crime that Netflix didn't renew it. It was fucking insulting. It was like one of the best things on uh, the platform. Wasn't it over, wasn't it like punishment over a union dispute or something? Was it? It was somehow unionizing adjacent. Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't think I knew that. Yeah. So, you know, even shadier than you think. <laughs> right. I love Tuca and Birdie so much. It's just. It's yeah, it's it one of the best show? shows I've ever seen, to it's, be honest. It's really, it's really incredible. I, I feel like it's a it. feel like it's a really good example of how like it's not even hard to be impressive at this point because <laughs> me, no no here hear me out hear me out All because right. because media representation has been narrow for so long it is incredibly touching and impressive when someone takes something that's been done over and over and over and over and just does it with a different face and a different experience because Tuca and Birdie, uh, this is how I describe it. It is like, it's Bojack Horseman for women. And what I mean by that is Bojack is about someone who is aging, looking back at their life choices, thinking about how they relate to others and figuring out how to move forward. And that is Tuca and Birdie. But it is about women's feelings, women's insecurities, women's like awkward aging concerns, women's relationships to one another, mm-hmm. women's traumas, women's hangups, women's stuff that like, like the woman version of what like 40 year old men in Hollywood who want to date younger women always get to talk about. That's like the standard version mm-hmm. of, of that story. That's the male centric version of the story. And then Tuca and Birdie is, what if women were just wailing about all their feelings and shit all the time and you cared about it <laughs> that that's revolutionary that's amazing we're so seldom asked to just let a woman talk and let a woman take up space and let a woman be messy and have her be the one we're sympathizing with and never question you're the hero we're here for you we're here for your mess we're here for your ups and downs right that's that's that's, that's it yeah, like I, I always describe the show to people as the womanist cartoon ever. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't have a ton of competition on that front, but I still think it's true. Like, it's. it's God. Um, uh, uh, Andrea Rosales on the Twitch chat uh, mentioned. Uh, she, she specifically mentioned that it, she thinks it had to do with the backlash of Bojack Horseman unionizing successfully, which I did not know this part of the narrative. That's so interesting. So. 
Okay, so Bojack, Bojack's group successfully unionizes, and the and the women's cartoon gets fucked. Yeah, yeah. That's how that works, right? That's like that's, practically that's that could be written good. into the show. <laughs> like that could be <laughs> that could be a subplot on Tuca. Like, uh, pause real quick. Shout out to Andrea Rosales. Uh, she is one of the amazing artists in Manana Anthology. In fact. Nice. In fact, we had an artist uh, drop out of the project midway through. So Andrea is drawing not one, but two different stories in the anthology. Oh, nice. Very nice. That's awesome. Thank you for joining us. Yes, welcome. Yeah, the hardest working member of our crew. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I, I feel like my mind keeps getting blown. Every time we hear something, something new. <laughs> she says she's drawing while listening to us. <laughs> uh, like I said, the hardest working member. <laughs> um, That's what's up. Um, I guess you know we're, we're getting close to two getting, hours, we're but any pre- we're getting pretty long. Yeah, but in, hey, any I, other. Can I ask the chat? Can I ask the chat a random question, which I w- would have asked sure. tomorrow on the cartoon stream, if not. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not trying to be like, uh, like, like meaningfully crass. Like, I, I promise you that I'm not. Um, is the phrase suck my dick problematic now? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I was not expecting that. <laughs> I really want to know. I really want to know. I'm, I, like, I mean, I'm, context. I'm not uh, looking for know, an I, answer. I think it's I'm, a context situation. Leo, the answer is... Yes and no, and we're <laughs> and we're not having the contextual conversation to back that up. First of all, Namaki said now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it was on my mind. It was on my mind. I've been thinking about it. I, oh I, my god! I mean, I, I may regret asking, but what what put it on your mind? Absolutely not. Like literally not. No, just like it was just something that just struck me. I'm a capricious, like, random person. Look, I don't know. Like, I just, it just honestly hit me. It felt like there was a lull in conversation. Okay, I you know there what? definitely I'm gonna, was going to be a lull after that. You know what? I, I'm going to change the direction, and I'm going to ask Joe <laughs> what your favorite Little Debbie cake is, because you said... Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh that's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So, when I was growing up in Miami, a poor family... The best dessert that I ever got to have was a Little Debbie fudge round that my stepdad would bring us from the corner store, 25 cents each, one for me and my sister and my brother, if we ate all our food and we behaved well that day. So I love Little Debbie fudge rounds. It's a reward, it's a reward snack. Yeah. I'll, I'll fucks with the fudge, uh, fudge round. Fudge round's in my in my in my short list. That's in my little Debbie short list for sure. That's my number one, and my number two is zebra cakes. Yes, that's another one for zebra cakes. I didn't think zebra cakes had the cachet, but a, a bunch <laughs> of people we brought this up to, zebra cakes are, if not number one, early in the conversation. Yeah. See, what I like about a zebra cake is, like, it, it almost ends up being good by accident. Like, it's very salty because it's full of preservatives. But I like that combination of a creamy, mild sweetness with the salt of a zebra cake. 
Mm. By the way, Andrea mentioned Gansitos, which is unfair. We are not men- <laughs> we are not mentioning that world, <laughs> that, that specific world of pastry of, uh, of of bodega pastry. We are specifically talking about Little Debbie's. Like, if we get into more, yeah, like because Marcus was trying to introduce Hostess into the conversation. I'm not I'm not I'm not negating Hostess love. I'm not negating Gansitos or uh, the the company. Wait, what is the the duck, you know, the company that makes Gansitos, or, or like, or Bimbo, or any of the, we're, we're talking Little Deb, we're talking Little Debbies, this is a, this is, the, the, this aspect is Debbie thing, but no, Gansitos are dope. I mean, Gansitos beat a lot of Little Debbies, in my, in my honest opinion. Regine this mentioned Moon Pies. The, oh, Moon Pies. Moon Pies are great. Yeah. I do like I, li- I like, I like a Moon Pie. I like a banana Moon Pie. Oh, a yellow no. Moon Pie, yeah. Oh, no. I love, no. I love artificial <laughs> banana flavor. I'm all about artificial <laughs> banana flavor. This has come up before, but <laughs> it has. It has definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, fudge round, but I don't think anyone we've asked a que- we've asked a question to so far has mentioned fudge rounds. I know yeah, Namalki yeah. mentioned fudge rounds. That's why Namalki is like freaking out in the chat about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about Joe with a new Marono. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When my stepdad uh, uh, couldn't bring us fudge rounds, he would bring us the little. Uh, forget if they have a fancy name but like the brownies with the little little colorful candies cosmic brownies yeah this is yeah, also cosmic brownies. yeah cosmic brownies with the like multicolored sprinkle things that are, yeah they're, they're, like not hard. quite m&ms not quite sprinkles <laughs> yeah what are they yeah they're you're, you're absolutely <laughs> right they're in between <laughs> they're the valence between those those uh those concepts you're you're right yeah, yeah they're like big fat like starry multicolored things um Cosmic brownies. People know, people know cosmic brownies. I feel like that. Yeah, the cosmic brownies have come up a bunch. Fudge rounds have come up less, but I'll definitely mess with a fudge brown. A fudge round. I mean, not anymore because like I just little debbies are not in my life. This is sort of a, <laughs> this is a think back to halcyon days. Um, yeah, I I still eat zebra cakes from time to time just because they're they're usually like in the front and it's like an impulse mm, grab. Mm-hmm. But uh, my. <laughs> My palate has advanced <laughs> beyond uh, choosing a Little Debbie snack when there are more delicious options. <laughs> right. Of course. Yeah. Real, all right. Real, real quick, related question, but unrelated to Little Debbie. Um, the frosted uh, honey buns or the glazed honey buns? I don't think I've ever had a frosted honey bun. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've just had glazed. You've just had glazed, like, be, no, well, I'm not, it's not frosting, but you know how, like, there's a honey bun that comes with the white covering, like, it's literally white, and then there's another one that, like, you can't, it's, like, translucent, because it's just, like, the, like, sticky glaze. I would still probably have gold glazed. Yeah, I've never, still never had a frosted honey bun. I feel like a frosted honey bun is, like, really edging towards just being a cinnamon roll. <laughs> it kind of, that's a good point. Right. Right. Yeah, it kind of is that. It kind of <laughs> is that. That's definitely my pick. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad that you finally got to you know express yourself on that, Joe, because I know. Yeah, I've been. It's been in my heart for for weeks now. <laughs> I love it. All right, yeah, well, I'm more, definitely. 
Okay. Um. Yeah. We we can we can wind down. Uh. I just real quick. We don't even need to spend much time on this. But uh. Just what I threw into the uh the doc was just Roar Shark. Why? You know. Is yeah. Why is it happening? Yeah, I don't even, I mean, also timing wise, you know, and I mean, Tom King is a great writer, so maybe he's got some angle that we don't know of. I will trust other people to read it, uh, and I will not read it. But yeah, Rorschach is the proto, um, you know, Trump supporter. Like, right, and yeah. HBO's Watchmen. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. I, yeah, it's just, it's an odd choice. I'm, yeah. I wonder if it'll in, be. Incel, definitely incel, yeah. I wonder if it'll be influenced by that at all. I I can't see how it wouldn't be, but I mean, it would be kind of messed up if it was trying to repair his image. But I mean, I I really hope not. Like, like I could like I could see them trying to like retroactively make Rorschach's actions more explicitly tied to like the the what were they called? The Cyclops people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like in a prequely way, yeah. which I would hate, but <laughs> it's a possibility. I mean, in the original, I I should find the quote, but in the original, you know, Alan Moore very much meant for him to be trash. Like he, yeah. Oh, yeah. To the extent, I mean, oh, yeah. you guys have probably read that quote where he was talking about fans coming up and being like, "Yo, I identify with this dude," and being horrified by it. Yeah, Rorschach, <laughs> Rorschach is trash. If you identify with Rorschach, right. you uh, you, don't, you didn't get it. You didn't you're telling, get it. You're telling yeah. on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't get it at all. Yeah. Like, like honestly, at this point, I wish we weren't getting a Rorschach anything. And if we must get a Rorschach something, just like explicitly make him cozy with the KKK. Like, let's really, really drive home the fact that like Rorschach is bad, you guys. Yeah. Yes. Rorschach bad. <laughs> Like, I feel like it needs to be explicit. Well, I mean, it was explicit, but, like, on the nose at this point. Like, it needs to not be satire. It needs to be just, like, straightforward. Like, look at how bad Rorschach right. villainize is. it. Villainize it straightforward. Yeah, like, outright. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting in the in the comic, like, his part, of, and I think Alan Moore did this on purpose, but part of his origin story is that, uh, you know, he, he was horrified by the fact that in his telling, like, people... With with the murder of Kitty Genovese, you know, he 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 was saying that everyone listened and nobody did anything, you know. Which the 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 true story is is a lot deeper than that. There wasn't any nine one one back then, and like that was a part of what even created nine one one. So it's interesting that his version of of that story is integral, but he's remembering it or or, or going with a popularized version where it happened because the community was just a bunch of negligent people who weren't like, you know, MAGA enough. Oh right. yeah, and and that, that story is mistold uh, so much that I also just wouldn't be surprised if Alan Moore thought that was accurate. Right, he, but that's, it works either way, right? It works yeah. whether yeah. He, he misunderstood it or whether he did it on purpose. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not reading it. Yeah, I'm also not reading it. It's also announced that uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier has been delayed until March, which I'm, I'm very disappointed about. I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was looking forward to saying. Well, uh, I was. I was. 
Yeah. And there was also what, what was supposed to be the first of those Marvel shows? I thought was that the first one? Be, yeah, it was supposed to oh, come okay. out next month. Oh, okay. Ooh, Tiana Paris is gonna play uh, Monica Rambeau as Miss Marvel. Yes, 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 yes. Not Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel. Right. She was, um, and she was supposed to be introduced in the, in WandaVision, right? Or was yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. And I don't know when WandaVision is supposed to be coming out, so. Yeah. You know, COVID has done a lot of things, so. And it, it certainly it has. Thing away from <laughs> COVID, COVID's very industrious. COVID is trash. <laughs> COVID is trash. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. on a positive note, <laughs> we are just days away from uh, the launch of the, uh, the Manana Kickstarter. You know what I'm saying? So, um, Joe, I, I guess uh, once again, uh, give people a reminder of where where they can follow you and, and get news on the Kickstarter. You can go straight away right now to kickstarter.com slash profile slash power and magic. Hit the follow button and you will be notified of launch. The day is July 21st. We're launching in the morning. The exact time will be Notified in your inbox if you follow us on Kickstarter. Um, and uh, yeah, mañana is why no one's going to read Rorschach because mm -hmm. people are going to be too busy, like talking about mañana, funding That's mañana, right. and then reading mañana, and then being like, you know what? I'm all about the Latinx future, the Afro future. Rorschach, who I don't know who that is. Mm. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, Leo, where can people find you? You can find me at Leonardo VFF on Twitter. Um, you can find me on my secret Instagram uh, channel that I made. Uh, if, if I tell you what it is, and you can find sure. me on Screen Rant where I'm writing wow. game stuff. Uh, got some game reviews coming out. Got some interviews cooking. Uh, you know, and uh, you can also. Uh, starting July 21st, uh, invest in the potential to find me in the pages of Manana, which is fucking dope. Yes, yeah. invest. Get in on the ground floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. And uh, Tony, where, where can people find you outside of blue Czechoslovakia? <laughs> find me on Twitter and on Instagram, Latin Negro. Um, you can also follow me at my, uh, my website, uh, anthonyotero.com, that has um, all my, my works, so my two novels, and uh, also Puerto Rico Strong, uh, which hopefully people are still buying because you know what? All proceeds do go to uh, those affected by Hurricane Maria and beyond. So let's all have Puerto Rico in their thoughts. They're still going through a lot. Yes, the Eisner Award winning Eisner. Puerto Rico That's right, that's right. Uh, um, one, one more note about uh, Manana. We mm -hmm. have, uh, for the first time, a backer level where you can back to get two copies of the book, two copies of the digital, and two sets of the uh, beautiful wallpaper set. Uh, for people's phones and computers and stuff that comes with the book. Uh, we're doing that. It's called the friendship tier because a lot of our friends are not doing as well as we are and mm. may not be able to back a Kickstarter right now, but 
those of us that can afford to splurge for two books, let's let's get those Latinx comics to people who need them and can't get them themselves. Absolutely. No doubt. Absolutely. Where can we so, find you, Marcus? Yes, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Marcus Kwame and on Instagram at Marcus underscore Kwame. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working hard on a, an uh -huh. exciting uh, graphic novel with the great David Walker, um, which will be out next January. It's all about the uh, true story of the Black Panther Party. So awesome. I have been working tirelessly and, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're working on colors now. Ooh, that's so close to being done. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, and you can also find all of us, uh, Sans Joe, which I'm going to get to, on our weekend cartoon streams at 11 a.m. EST. Every Saturday and Sunday, we watch uh, usually terror bad cartoons and talk a lot of shit over them. Joe, when do you want to come on our show and talk about cartoons? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, we shall see. We shall see. I, I don't always manage to get up in the quote unquote morning, but we'll talk. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Right. yeah, this show is more East Coast friendly than. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Because Joe's, Joe's in my neck. He's yeah, in my, yeah, my neck yeah. of the woods. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, I make a point to get up. I put, I put towels and stuff under my door so I don't wake up other people in the house with me cracking up. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we'd love to have you on at some point. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> All right. All right, people. Um, yeah, no, this has been this has been great, Joe. Uh, looking forward to the success, you know, and uh, virtually popping bottles with you. And, uh, <laughs> nice. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Today, hopefully, hopefully, when this when this episode goes up, people go check and they're like, "What? It's already funded." Can't believe it. <laughs> oh yeah, best feeling. Best feeling. Yep. Yeah. I'm gonna do my best to get this edited and online by Tuesday, so it can be there for launch day. Uh, so I, 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 I will shoot for that. But in the meantime, this link will be live, so people can just you know continue listening yep. to this up Perfect. until Tuesday. Absolutely. There oh, nice. There you go. Yeah, and uh, and definitely thanks to everybody in the chat. Um, we love y'all. Yeah, shout out. Yeah, thanks for thanks for getting involved. There's some pretty pretty involved, uh, awesome, just encouraging conversations in the chat because people who listen to the show like know the score, and I love it. And y'all are great. <laughs> Most definitely. All, All right, right. y'all. Um, if you can join us uh, tomorrow for cartoons and cereal, and uh, whatever no you do. Yeah. Nope, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be fun, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank, thank you so much, Joe. All right. Thank you all. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat.